Welcome back to the Dungeon Master's Block, the place where we come to talk about the Dungeon Master, the most important person in the game, the only person capable of playing God, killing characters, and lowering the egos of everyone else at the table. I'm one of your hosts, DM Neil, aka Jote Maniac, and while I'm the only one here for the intro, I won't be the only one in the episode because DM Mitch and I talked to longtime friend and amazing person, Michael Ross from the RPG Academy, who is doing a lot of interesting things. We were, but just to let you know, we recorded this both in the past and the future, and that's just me throwing in a terrible joke about how this is going to be about adding time travel to your game and some rules to follow and some tips and tricks and things to check out we're already there no i'm just kidding so with that let's head to the meat i'm starving we ain't had nothing but maggoty bread for three stinking days why can't we have some meats looks like meat's back on the menu boys Today on The Meet, we have a returning guest, someone who is a personal friend of the show and just of both of us. So we have Michael Ross from the RPG Academy. Other things are uh, Farm to Fable, uh, who has terrible guests like yours truly on it. So you should definitely skip every episode I'm on, but listen (laughs) intently to every other one. Um, Michael, thank you for coming back on to talk to us. Yeah, welcome back. I'm thrilled to be here. Absolute pleasure. Uh, and Neil, you are one of my favorite guests on Farm. Okay. <laughs> Please give yourself more credit. You're an amazing guest. Awesome. Yeah, it's always nice uh, having returning guests. And Michael, you I mean, Michael, you are one of the first that we've had on. And we've if you haven't listened to the show, at least I can say that uh, your podcast was one of the best inspirations for what we started with the Dungeon Masters block. So always got to always got to throw that out there. So obviously... The next question that we typically ask returning guests are, what are you what have you been working on lately that you can tell us about? And I know that one of those things uh, is something that is near and dear to our hearts, although unfortunately we won't be able to go this year, but it is happening. A catacon. Tell our listeners more. It's coming up. Tell us about a catacon. Yeah, it's it, it, it's such a weird time. So Akatacon is the convention that was born out of the RPG Academy. That's where the name comes from. Everyone thinks it's Arcadacon, <laughs> but it's not. It's a Catacon, like Academy. Yeah, it makes sense if you know it, but until then, it, it makes no sense. Uh, we missed in 2020 because of COVID concerns, and we decided to go ahead and do it in 2021, right when things were looking better. Like the vaccine rollout was happening. The numbers were going down. It looked like things started opening back up. It's like, okay, well, great. We're on board. We're going to do it. Unfortunately, the numbers have turned and it's starting to look kind of bad again, but I'm committed. Like I've already paid deposits. I'm going to be there even if I'm the only one else there. And I, I think we're still going to have a good turnout. It's just not going to be as big as it would have been. Uh, but we have the convention. It's in Dayton, Ohio in November. This year, it's the 5th, 6th, and 7th. It's a three-day local convention. Uh, 2019, we had like 500 people. This year, we're expecting like maybe 300. So it's a pretty small event. You're going to see the same people all the time, you're going to make a catacomb friends. Um, it's very RPG focused because of our podcast. That's kind of what we bring to the table and the people who listen to us who show up. But we obviously have board games. We're going to have vendors. We have people who are demoing games that they want to try to sell and you know create, maybe go on to, to produce in the future. So it's everything that you would get from any other convention, but just tightened down into like a very small group of, again, this time about 300 people. But it's a Great time again. Both of you have come multiple times. Um, you know, I've played in games with you. You've played in games I've ran. It's it's a great little event that I've been told by, both, by multiple people. We kind of punch above our weight class when you think about the size of our event versus what we bring to the table and special guests and just the types of events that we offer. Uh, but this year it's a little scary because I just I don't know what it's going to look like and who all is actually going to show up when the record meets the road. Again, so like I said, I pay deposits, so I'm going to be there. It may just be you and me talking, but I'll do my best to make that a fun time if you, listener person, are the one who person who shows up and plays games with me in November. I mean, that intimacy aspect that you're talking about has always been one of the things that I've loved about a catacomb and has made me want to go every single year, uh, including this year. Unfortunately, it just doesn't work uh, because I, I just you're right. Like it's it's a it's always been a special time with a special group of, of people and I've every year walked away with someone that I've said they're, they're my good friend now. Um, right. I mean, it, literally a, a catacomb was the place that 
I mention it very few times uh, on the show, but like um, I'm uh, my job is to be a, a pastor. Literally, a catacomb was the place that I met the first people that I officiated a wedding for, uh, oh, wow. <laughs> which was an awesome thing. And obviously, we're close friends, so. I think that most people will have that experience if they if they head to a catacomb, they will walk away not just having played some great games, uh, but having made some good friends as well. Yeah. Our our tagline is a catacomb gaming with friends old and because mm. yeah. you're gonna be friends with the people you play with, whether you start off that way or not. That's my guarantee. Asterisk, not guaranteed. So you might have said it already, but uh when is that? Where do people go to find more information on that? How do they get tickets? Yep. So it's uh no November. 5th, 6th, and 7th in Dayton, Ohio at the Dayton Commission Center. You can go to acadecon.com. That's A-C-A-D-E-C-O-N.com. It'll have all the links and all the information. Uh, we're using tabletop events. If anyone goes to conventions, they're probably familiar with that site. It's, it's amazing. And it, it's handling all the stuff as far as people wanting to get badges. They can see what events are being offered. So if you want to see if there's anything you would want to play before you drop your money to buy a badge, totally cool. You can do that. Uh, you meet your badge that way and then just show up and hang out with us Friday, Saturday, and Sunday in November. Fantastic. And then are you working on anything else that you would like to tell us about? Yeah, very quickly. Uh, my, my background, as both you two can see, I'm developing a game. Uh, anyone who knows me, who's listened to our podcast, knows I mean, I've been an RPG enthusiast my entire life. I absolutely love them. They're probably the biggest hobby I have. If there's a second, it's movies. I absolutely love Going to movies and talking about movies and analyzing movies. I had a short-lived podcast about movies. It was terrible, but it was fun with my childhood best friends who I talk about on the podcast a lot because it was Brandon, who's the person who got me to play D&D when we were like 12 years old. And so I've taken those two loves and mixed them together, and I'm creating a game called Action 12 Cinema, which is all about bad action movies. But not the bad, bad action movies, the good bad ones, the ones that are fun to watch as long as you don't think about them too hard. They also it also features the D12, which I literally think is the best polyhedral. I'm the type of person who has a favorite die. My favorite die is the D12. It doesn't get enough love in the world. So I built a game around just rolling a whole bunch of them. Nice. Uh, and the tagline is, you know, B movie action, D12 dice. So if those either of those things sort of appeal to you, then it might be something you'd be interested in. I'm, I've ran a bunch of play tests. I'm doing more this. Well, I don't know when this will come out within the next couple of weeks of today. I'm going to be at CincyCon, or excuse me, CincyCon in Cincinnati. I'm running a bunch of uh, demos there at a Catacon. I'm going to be running some of those there as well. And the goal, fingers crossed, is to have it out on Kickstarter middle of next year. I've hired a developmental editor who's helping me with the writing, with the rules to make sure it's like it's not just me. There's going to be a team of people, art directing, art, all kind of cool stuff. Uh, but I'm super, super excited about it. Uh, what I like to try to tell people is if you ever played in the game, as a player, where you make like that final attack on the monster and the DM says, okay, tell me what that looks like. And you get that little bit of moment where you get to have player narrative, where you can describe your taking out this foe however you want. I've taken that and made the entire game fun of it. So everything in my game is you just tell me how cool what you're doing is and what it looks like and how it feels. And so if that appeals to you, please, Action 12 Cinema, Hopefully next year, 2022, um, on Kickstarter. Michael, how long have you been working on uh, this this game for? Uh, off and on for probably about three, maybe even four years now. It, it it started as a joke, like legitimately started with a, how can I just get a bunch of people to roll D12s? And once the jokey part kind of wore off, I'm like, there's actually kind of the bones of a fun game here, you know? Because at the end of the day, it's just rolling D12s and playing improv. Like, you know, I mean, you can kind of whittle down any RPG. It's rolling a D20 and improv, right? But mine's D12s, but it's very high improv. It's very high role play, storytelling uh, inspired. And, you know, it's it's in some ways, it's kind of hard to mess that up unless you're trying. And then I've just roped in all the movie stuff I love. So you roll for like tropes, you know, like the bad guy stands up after you think they're defeated or uh, the worst weapon turns out to be the most powerful one or, you know, train top, battles or whatever everything you've watched in a bad action movie you kind of roll and you add those elements together randomly and they create the game and i know i've, I've sort of already gotten derailed but it's probably about four years probably close to five by the time we actually get to kickstarter well i could be wrong because i have a terrible terrible memory but i feel like you ran a game for which me and neil were in of this 
uh, the last time we were at Catacon. Um, I have ran some in a Catacon before. Um, that sounds familiar to yeah. me, though the game is vastly different from that iteration. But at the heart, it's still the same. It's rolling D12s and talk, telling stories about bad movie plots. But I do I do have like a vague memory of it and it being a fantastic time. Again, it, it's I'm a very forgetful person. So, but I, <laughs> what I will say is that that just makes me more sad that I'm not coming this year because it sounds amazing and I will for sure be be backing that on Kickstarter when it comes out. And you, the listener, should be too. <laughs> yeah. Okay. We're going to turn hard, hard left for our surprise question then. Um, and, and this one was brought to us by DM Jude. Um, so if you could choose one philosophical concept, how would you implement it into your tabletop game? Oh. So for oh. context, because um, I had to, I'm going to send over a list of philosophical concepts. <laughs> Okay. Yeah. All right. So I'm gonna I'm gonna wrap it together. I'm gonna I'm gonna try to put in my DM hat here and see if I can make all this nonsense seem like it was all planned out from the beginning. So I want to choose absolute time and space, which I've not read. So I may be wrong about what it means, but it doesn't matter because I'm gonna say what I think it means. <laughs> and this goes back to sort of like the Doctor Who uh, mentality that there are some things that happen that are unchangeable. They are absolute. So even if you have the ability to move through time and space. You can't change certain things. And if you were going to run a game about time travel, like an RPG of some sort, like perhaps we were to discuss this more in the future, that's something you need to decide about your rules. Are things changeable? Are, is everything changeable? Are there certain things that you can't change? And I think there's a lot of emotional weight that can be mined from having players realize there are some things they can change and some things they can't, and then butting up against that, which is again why. Time travel has been a genre that's been around forever, as far as I'm, you know, I can, I, as far as I'm, I know, uh, because the idea of you have the ability, you have the power to make change, but you still can't. And how do you deal with that? So if I was going to do a time travel story, I might consider using that as an element to see what kind of emotional weight I can wring out of my players in what they can change and what they can't. Perfect. Well, thank you, Michael, for that answer. And of course, thank you, DM Jude, for that overwhelming question i hope to ask other people <laughs> yeah oh my gosh <laughs> really putting people on the spot uh, what a great answer though because it brings us into our topic that i think we're all really excited to talk about um the concept of time travel in rpg games and yet yes we do uh speak mostly about fantasy type gaming so this may take a very interesting turn because you may be going well wow that's like a sci-fi trope well it can certainly be implemented into fantasy type gaming as well and we can have some discussion in a more general sense as well but so uh time travel in rpg games honestly just like that surprise question i feel like to most people this should seem like a pretty daunting thing Thing if you are approaching as a as a DM as a GM and you're going okay we're going to do a time travel uh, esque uh, campaign I mean all I can think of right away is wow there's a lot of ways that that could go wrong yes <laughs> there this could be a complete like mess up it's a little scary to be honest um, so d- time travel why I think the the thing is that we have to first um, ask ourselves is why would you even consider doing a time travel type campaign or what would be the purpose of time travel in an adventure? Uh, well, for me, it's just fun. I, again, I, I love time travel. It's a type of story I've been drawn to again, since I've been into media books, TV shows, movies, whatever I have used time travel a lot in my games it's actually kind of a running joke in the RPG Academy, if you listen to our show regularly, that anytime there's a mystery in one of my games that doesn't make sense, you need to at least apply, well, could it be time travel? Because that is probably <laughs> going to turn out to be the answer to the mystery if you can't, can't figure out any other way. So I use it a lot. The very first uh, actual play we ever did, Made Men, featured time travel a little bit at the end. I'm running a game right now. It's a 13th age actual play. And one of the very first combats, the person that they're fighting says, you're not supposed to be here at this place at this time. And they still don't know, does that mean like, how did you get here or time travel? They haven't got that far enough to know, but there's a really good chance it's going to be in time travel. So I love time travel. <laughs> I think it's fun. Um, again, for me, it's about the emotional weight. It's how do you 
learn about your characters through putting them through a situation where you're kind of viewing them from a different lens. I mean, I think Back to the Future is probably one of the most popular uh, mass media time travel stories people might be familiar with. And, you know, it's comedy, but it's also drama. And the whole point of those movies is for Marty to learn more about himself by seeing how his parents were and are and how the you know environment and, and their life affected them and how he can change that. So that's what you're doing to your characters as well. You're trying to figure out who they are by putting them in this unusual situation where, again, maybe they have or maybe they don't have the power to change things. And either way you go, that is going to tell you a lot about the characters. If they don't have the power to change it, but they rail against that, they're trying to change things, even though maybe the rules of the world said they can't, that tells us something. If they're all like, man, we can do whatever we want. It doesn't matter because, you know, nothing we do matters here. Tells us a lot about their character. So for me, character development, emotional uh, role plays, juiciness is what I'm going for anytime I bring up time travel. Or it's because I've screwed up and I need to fix something. And that's how I'm explaining yeah. it. Yeah, yeah. Well, and even like for me, that's like one of the most obvious purposes that it can serve in a story um, is the the whether the characters have screwed up or weren't able to uh, stop something. And so time travel as a device to be like, yeah, this catastrophe happened. And that can be like a number of things that can be a catastrophe on a global. We are talking like apocalyptic, crazy, big themed campaign, or it can be something that is catastrophic to the characters or even character and so the only way to fix it is well we need to go back in time and see if we can fix it which therein lies that like you know we don't need to talk about this quite yet but like that whole concept that you were talking about michael of like but are are certain things absolutes and even if it's not a complete absolute maybe it doesn't easily change maybe there's this long rabbit hole that you have to go down to be able to change uh, that thing, um, that butterfly effect uh, that we talk about, like um, you might even cause other problems because of traveling back in time. But certainly something needs to change because there was this catastrophe, this tragedy, and your characters feel a sense that we need to go back. And if they're given that opportunity, then of course they're going to take it. Right. And I think that's, again, the very classic, probably the one that comes top of mind first. Uh, but there's a lot of different ways that you can use time travel. Uh, one of the campaigns I started, unfortunately, it died on the vine like so many do, is I had developed the characters, let them, they lived in the world together for a while. They were good friends in the campaign and they were just, you know, low level adventurers. And then about the fifth or sixth session, they ended up getting transported well into the future. And they, they came to a place where we turned out that they themselves sort of took over, become like monarchs, then went to war with each other and decimated the land. But oh my gosh, they were all amazing. friends when they So they, <laughs> the, the point of that campaign was to figure out what had happened to them to cause their friendship to fracture, to cause this horrible thing. But they're not trying to fix it in the past. They're trying to deal with it in the future. And so I was kind of like trying to apply the mystery on both sides. Like, how did this happen? But how do we fix it at the same time? Unfortunately, it died before we ever got to like what I thought was a really juicy part. But, you know, that's another way to use time travel is to just take the characters far in the future, maybe so far that like they don't know any concept of who's around. So it could be like one generation and they now their children are adults and they're, they're living in that world. Or, you know, so far in the past, they're dealing with their grandparents or it could be a thousand years in the past before the continent was uh, kind of the, the kingdom was formed or whatever. So you can do a lot of different things with time travel. The character creation night to that type of campaign, I think, would be so fascinating because you'd sit down with those players and say, like, you, you'd be working through their flaws and say, what's an unhealthy desire that your character has and how could that manifest in, in like, a problematic way? And then you are taking that as the DM and going, because you're going to be this dictator far into the future and how does that character become the villain of the campaign and this other character become a villain, like, I love that. Hmm. I, I I love that idea. It might have died on the vine for you, <laughs> but my hope is now there are many listeners who have listened and, and that there are some campaigns that start because of that idea. Oh, um, I would love that. You know, again, if you're playing 5e, the game 5 which you're going to be any game, but you know, characters have flaws. So literally on the sheet, it says like, this is my flaw. Just sort of take that to the nth degree. Yeah. You know, what is the worst manifestation of that? If you're going to send people to the past when you're doing character generation 
ask a little bit about the history. Like, let's let's create your family tree two generations back just to get it. You know, you can either try to sell it like this is not anything important and then make it important. Or you can be very open like, hey, this is going to be a time travel story. Your great grandparents might be NPCs. Your great great grandchildren might be NPCs. So let's take some time and build this family tree out so that when I introduce these characters, you already know who they are as a player and maybe maybe as a character again if it's in the past. Again, I love talking about time travel. I can talk about it forever. I know we don't have that much time. Uh, but I think for me, the, the big thing you want to start with, if I'm trying to give like help to someone who's thinking about doing this, is you need to decide right away that because the rules don't matter unless they matter. And that, that's up to you as the DM. But I think the one rule you have to establish is can characters change things or not? So like, you know, back to the future, Yes, Marty was able to change things. He was actually able, to, in his regard, change them for the better. In some stories, you can't. And even if you do change them, time has a way of sort of fixing itself. So let's say you go back in time and you stop some tragic event from happening, like the Titanic. You, you cause the Titanic not to sink. You come back to the future, you find out there was another tragedy somewhere else in the world and roughly the same number of people perished. So this is time saying, okay, you can stop that, but in the flow of time, there needed to be a tragedy that day for some reason that's, you know, interminable. So you kind of got three options. Yes, you can change. No, you can't change. Or you can kind of change. And but, you know, the outcomes will be similar. That's the thing that I think you have to decide before you start messing around with time travel. That's to, to me the one rule that you have to establish and then not break. I think no matter what your rules are, don't break them. They can be the dumbest time travel <laughs> rules, but as long as you stick to them, it's okay. Like that's really, because that's where you start to get into a lot of issues, especially we all have the player that like you're having issues with rules just that are written by wizards of the coast. And then the idea of like you establish time travel rules, it's difficult to continue the story. If you're constantly fighting against their interpretation of the rules and your implementation of them. Um, I would almost say don't make, rules until you need them like it's like you said it, it, until it matters it doesn't matter but then trying to stick to whatever right. rules you establish because at the end of it i i realize one of the ways that you use time travel it could be as the story like that's the whole story it's not part of the story it's that you woke up 300 years later or 300 years in the past so like you really want to be mindful of the rules mm -hmm. and that's why i love time travel stories and i love the idea of time travel in a game um but it's daunting because i also recognize as much as i love time travel stories most time travel movies that i've watched i walk or tv shows i walk away with a bad taste in my mouth because they establish rules early on for their movie universe and almost every time i watch something that's about time travel they break it within the movie and it's it's like you completely just forgot or didn't care or didn't know a way out of this situation. Right. So you ignored the movie that you, the rule that you established in the beginning and that breaks this whole thing down. And that always drives me insane. There are some great time travel movies out there, but like so many break their own rules. And so, yeah, it, you, you kind of have to be careful if a rule is broken in your campaign and and we all know we're all DMs. We we could tell you we've made millions of mistakes. So oh, yeah. like you're you're probably gonna make mistakes. That's we're not trying to say like don't enter into this because you'll probably make mistakes and you don't want to make mistakes. We all make mistakes. But like if you can establish those rules in your mind, whether they're said said to the players or not, and if they are said to the players, if a rule gets broken, what you want it to be is you want it to be because you in your mind are going. Because even though people think that that rule is that way, it actually isn't. So when that rule gets broken, all of your players look at each other and they're like, wait a second, that's not how this works. And rather than being like, oh man, I messed up, you want it to be like, hmm, yes, interesting, you're right. As far as what you know, that is not how this works. This should be strange. This Exactly. Again, I, I talk about it all the time when I talk about DMing, like my, my biggest tip is when you met, realize you've messed up is you just lean in and smile. And go, there you that go. That is weird, isn't it? <laughs> if you do mess up, <laughs> just go that route. <laughs> yeah. And then you just try to figure out why it does actually make sense before next time. And, you know, it's the same thing here. If you establish a rule, but you break it, work it into the story. Unless you tell the players, oh, I've screwed up, which is fine. Maybe you do say, oh, actually, you're right. We got to rewind. Five seconds <laughs> Can we time travel I, in yeah. a, a bump table for a second? <laughs> right. Exactly. Uh, we're we're going to rewind that. 
or you just try to figure out a way to make sense. Again, you're dealing with epic fantasy or, or, or sci-fi where time, time travel, it only exists one way in a consistent speed. We all move forward in time together at the same speed. As far as I know, no one's ever figured out why to do it differently. So the idea of time travel itself is nonsensical. You know, it's, it's fantasy. So whatever rules you make up are just kind of arbitrary. There, there are no actual rules to it, right? So it could just be like you said, like that's what people believe. Is it is believed that you cannot change certain things. But then if a player does, maybe that's the point of the campaign is them believing that they can or trying even though they know they can't. But the reward is, well, everyone was wrong. Turns out you can, but A, B, or C has to be, in, or you know, E, F, and G has to be in place. And you know, now that you've done this, something else has to happen again. That sort of, okay, you've stopped this tragedy, but there's going to be another one. How do you deal with that? You know, and I'm, I know there's shows that have dealt with that. Is that okay? You saved your, you know, your loved one from dying, but your best friend's loved one now dies, or maybe someone you don't even know. But there's there's emotion to be wrong from that, and that's what I like to explore in those types of stories. Yeah, we're kind of already deep in in <laughs> talks about like time travel rules, so let's just kind of keep going with that. As as you said, Michael, we could talk about this for a long time. There are all these different rules that different universes and stories have like established with time travel, uh, but there are some common ones that like seem to always come up. Like the there seems to be so many time travel stories where there's a rule about like. Do not let you yourself from the past see yourself as you're traveling back because if you do, either both of you will not exist or like bad things will happen. Like it'll send out a ripple. Like what are your what are your thoughts about that uh, type of um, concept within a time travel campaign? Well, again, I think for for any show like that, they're setting up the rules so that they can use those rules for dramatic effect or in some cases comedic effect. So the same thing for VMs. If you're setting up the rules, make the rules the way you want them to be because you plan on using them. If you can't run into yourself, then your time travel story should not involve you going to a different part of the planet or universe or so far in the yeah. future or so far in the past that you can't run into each other. Otherwise, that rule makes no sense. It's not interesting or fun. So if your rule is you can't run into yourself, then you need to take your time travel story one day in the past or one day in the future and run the same place. There needs to be stakes, yeah. Yeah, and you know, you could even do the thing where you play the campaign for like three sessions and then you go back to the start of the campaign and now you're running parallel. And so that's the fun is okay, well, I know our characters are here. And remember that when we were like trapped in that room and you just happened to find the key? Maybe we're the ones that put the key there. You know, it's Bill and Ted logic. Just don't forget to go back and put the keys here. <laughs> and so now you've got to find a way to put the key where you need it without you seeing yourself do that or everything falls apart. Like so, the rules are only there to make fun, and that fun yeah. can be drama, that fun can be comedy, that fun can be something, whatever you want it to be. So use the rules to set up a situation that you will then manipulate and use to your as a tool to make the game more fun. And however you see that happen. Well, and I think that those rules can be even more fun when you are having the consequences of if those rules are broken be more mysterious. Uh, mm -hmm. if, if we're talking about like time travel through the means of like, perhaps your characters have like some catastrophe has happened. And so they need to go back in time and fix it. And they're told like, you can't, you can't see yourself because they, they have gone on this long quest to, in order to be able to time travel back. If you're, if you're getting this from a spell book and you have to, you had to translate it. And so you have one of the characters, like you have them, say something along the lines of like, guys, we, we cannot see ourselves in the past like that. There will be dire consequences. But then when another character asks, like, what is, what are those dire consequences? You might say, I, I don't know. It doesn't say anything, but it does say like, be sure not to. And so you, you know that something terrible will happen if that happens, but you don't know what. And the reason I find that to be more fun is, uh, a lot of times these rules might end up being broken. And when it does get broken, then there's a lot more freedom to decide, well, what is happening when character this character runs into themselves in the past? Plus, I'll be honest, as a DM, I also want to see a scene where one of my players is role-playing future character mm -hmm. and past character at the same time, interacting yeah. with each other and having that past character have their mind blown. And that would be so much fun to me. Yeah, it would be a lot of fun. I kind of think about that almost like the 
the Ghostbusters, the original Ghostbusters rule of don't cross the streams. Mm. But at the end of the movie, that's how you solve yep. everything. So yep. sometimes the rules are meant literally to be broken. Yeah. And they're only there because we want it to be broken at the appropriate time and place so that it's dramatically, you know, that's what I'm looking for. Not f- fulfilling, dramatically fulfilling. Absolutely. When it becomes a big thing. And uh, the other thing I was thinking of is like, you're going to go back to movies. A lot of times we establish the danger of a scene with an NPC who gets taken out. I think at the beginning of the first Indiana Jones movie, you know, Indiana Jones is going through the jungle and he's got two little helpers and neither one of them gets too far so that we can see how dangerous this thing is. So maybe that's what you need to help the little NPC. So maybe there's another character that goes with our characters through time and the first five minutes they break a rule. So we get to see what happens when a rule is broken without losing a main character. And whatever rule that might be, you know, whatever you want it to be dramatically appropriate, let the character see it. Let them see the effect of a, of a character seeing themselves. Maybe they lose their mind. You know, maybe they literally just like, they can't deal with it and they become a husk of themselves. Or maybe they're evaporated from time. It's as if they never existed. You can be whatever you want it to be because you're making everything up anyways. But if you want the rules to seem important, show them being broken and show the consequences. If yeah. that's something you want to do. I do, I know to your point, Mitch, by leaving them kind of loosey-goosey, you can, that's also fun too. And I think either way could work. But if you're going to show them, that's a good way to do it through an NPC. I think one of the other really good rules to establish is how easy or hard is time travel? Because it could be, mm-hmm. I mean, a lot of this conversation can be moved to the side if it's one and done. Because I've played a campaign right. where we could go back one time or not. Like that was the ultimate decision uh, of that. But then that's it. And so a lot of questions can get answered by just saying no one else is being able to do this. So off we go. Well, in the same same as the direction forward. But then if it's everybody, like everyone that's gone missing, then they're showing up at a later date. Like no one is ever truly missing. And I also think a lot of the Wild stuff where it's just timey-wimey all over the place. And everybody theoretically could just mess this all up by just wandering into the Wild for a minute or two. Or 300 years. Mm-hmm. Any other rules we want to explore? Well, one that I'm in a book that I'm reading, I'm rereading the Dark Tower series. I don't know if either of you are familiar with that. Stephen King's magnum opus, as far as I'm concerned. Uh, and there's a huge element of time travel within that game. But there is a constant that in the prime world where they have to interact with occasionally, time always moves forward and always moves forward at the same pace. So in some worlds, they can move backwards and forwards in time, but not on the prime plane. And on the prime plane, it's always moving forward. So there's some drama to be had from in this story where there's a there's a date they need to get to. I think it's like January or July 15th or something. And they keep checking in to see how close that prime world is to getting to that date. Because if they miss it, it's gone. They, no matter, even though they're time traveling, they cannot go back to that time once it's passed. Uh, so that's another rule you could consider that if you are letting people jump around, I think there's that movie, The Tomorrow War, that recently came out on Amazon mm-hmm. Prime um, with it's Chris Pratt, where you can move forward and backward in time, but it's it's a, within a 20 year gap that's always moving forward. So like you can't move, go back to yesterday, but you can go forward 20 years in the past and the 20 years past can come back to today. But tomorrow it's a day forward and a day back. Um, and those, again, it's a made up, rule means nothing but for the story it added drama and it's kind of a cool rule so the rules can be anything you want them to be but again i just think why do you want them you want them to make them for for fun so they can be pushed against or explored so i'm trying to think of any other specifically obviously time cop don't touch yourself that's bad um well, no, I think this uh, is branch timelines from in game. Yeah, and I think yep. this is that perfect. Could be bad. To jump, I think we should just jump straight into homework because I think this is one of the few times that homework needs to be explained um, a little bit okay. more than others, just because of like why we would suggest something and like its particular brand of um, time travel. Because uh, Tomorrow War is the one I enjoy because they establish rules that I hadn't really heard of and just followed them. I was like, "That's great! Look at you go! You just set them and stayed stayed with them." Wow. Yeah. <laughs> well, and then like Looper, have either of you watched that yep. movie? Mm-hmm. Oh, it's a fantastic time travel movie. It's so much fun. But they deal with time travel. They're having a conversation and the younger version is like, well, how does time travel work? And the older version is like, 
I can explain it to you, but we'd just be here all day writing things on napkins. So they didn't ever explain it. They just tried to basically blow it off like, don't worry about it. You know, hot tub time machine. Don't worry. <laughs> in game, they tried to explain it. Like, and they're very jokey it, like, about it. Yeah. That, yeah. Like, <laughs> Which, I, again, I loved because they go through all the different movies that have time travel. Uh, obviously, Back to the Future is probably the touchstone most people are familiar with. Uh, Live, Die, Repeat, mm-hmm. I think, is an awesome time travel movie, which I actually think would port very well into a role playing game. Um, I think there's actually a video game called Dark Souls. I've never played it, but I think, isn't that the one where you have to make a perfect run and every time you die, you reset? Dark Souls is wonderful. Um, I don't know if that's necessarily like lore wise, I don't think. Okay. But I, I could be wrong because Dark Souls doesn't explain the lore to you as you go. So, okay. so the idea though is let's say you have a just completely deadly dungeon, a tomb of annihilation sort of thing where, um, wait, is that the, is that the one in D&D, the, the one that kills everybody yep. that, Okay. Rocks fall. Everyone so it, dies. Yeah, Everyone dies, right. So maybe it's a situation where the characters go into there and we know they're going to die. But anytime any character dies, they reset and they get to go again. So you get both the benefit of having these diabolical deadly traps that are just kind of unfair to the players. And you get to see their characters mutilated, but they actually don't lose their characters. So they, they reset and they get to go again. And maybe sometimes they'll bypass a trap and they get the reward of you know being clever. And other times they get ground into meat pies through spalling stuff, but then they get to try again. But maybe the world is still moving forward for everyone else. So they only got three days to get back to the village and save everyone. Every time they reset, they're going back in time, but time is still moving forward. So they can't do this indefinitely. Um, I also think that kind of answers the question, like why people are always leaving these sort of like obscure clues. Like someone wrote, you know, like it's like a a riddle of all these different colors that kind of give the answer to a puzzle. Like who did that? It was some dude that was trapped in here for a thousand lifetimes and they've lost their freaking mind. And so when they finally get out, they just have these vague recollections of everything they went through. So they couldn't just tell you, hey, don't step on the bluestone. They it came out in this sort of weird jumbled up way. And that helps explain all these like random clues that you might have and just all the, the tropey stuff you get for dungeon crawls. Uh, like the little poem that tells you which way to go. It was from the person who did this a billion times and they've lost their mind over it. That kind of a campaign is the one that I think that I I would personally find to be the most daunting of a challenge to actually accomplish as a live, die, repeat or edge of tomorrow, whatever uh, the the official title is a Groundhog's Day where you're like gone, like you're you're playing in a time loop that you're stuck mm-hmm. in and you need to do something specific to get outside of it. I like I feel like that would be extremely difficult so I, I guess I'm putting this out to say, like, this would be one that I would be worried about doing it, and I would love to see it done well, especially to even play in one, because I think the dangers you run into that type of a uh, story is, well, you as a DM, you better know your stuff, because if you have an NPC that the characters are going to come across more than once because they're time looping, you got to know what that NPC says. Like, you kind of have to have a script like mm-hmm. and then as soon as like the the characters go off that script, then you have them start acting differently. But like there is like a like every time you see that NBC, they better greet you in the same exact way. Um, as long as you wanted to have that that theme of consistency throughout. Um, mm-hmm. Again, we all make mistakes, so if you mess right. up, you mess up. But like that's something as a DM, I would want to make sure that I know what's happening. But then I think there's a danger that you run in playing through that time travel loop is that you don't want it to become boring. And I think that there is a danger there. And so you have to be really creative in how you go about DMing for that style of game. Maybe you do not on the, on the 14th try have the players role play through that interaction with the NPC the entire way through, because there's going to be sick of it by that point. You, you have either they're going to have to throw a wrench in the gears and be like, oh, we push him off a cliff. We keep going because we don't care what he has to say. We've heard it a thousand times now. Or you just as a DM say you have the same conversation as you always do. Does it end anywhere different? And right. you don't need to go through every single thing over and over again. And now, yeah, that's a challenge I, for me as a DM. I would find that to be a challenge to role play that kind of time travel story well. Yeah, I'm really glad you brought up Groundhog's Day because that is absolutely, I can't believe I didn't go to that first. How dare you? 
favorite movies. <laughs> uh, Palm Springs, very similar, but also yes, a lot of fun. yes. And I, I think those movies, I think those would be kind of interesting because those movies are kind of about self actualization, like becoming the best version of yourself, or Palm Springs case, like finding a partner, kind of finding love. I don't know; those are it'd be mine for comedy, but but in both of those movies, you still have that situation where you show or you tell more than show in some cases. Like you're supposed to show instead of tell. But you're right; we aren't with Bill Murray for a thousand lifetimes, but we get the sense that he has gone through this loop maybe a million times. You know, because we we have almost like a montage. Like he goes to learn to play piano, we see like two lessons. And then we cut to him playing beautifully in front yes. of people. I think you're going to have to do the same thing. DM I don't think that can, way. Yeah. You know, like you want to do enough movie. to establish <laughs> yeah. the baseline. And, that, and it is weird. So maybe you do the same scene like two, maybe even three times, like verbatim, fully role played out. When the players are like, what is going on? Like, I, this is so weird. Once they've got to that point, I think then you start doing some montages. So like, okay, yeah. you do the same loop 14 more times. And then you say, okay, Sarah, what is one thing you try to do here? To break the loop. Like I punched the bartender. Okay, great. Doesn't change anything. Boop, you're back on the next loop. Okay, Tim, what did you try to do on the eighth loop? And I think you can do it like that. So people still get a chance to kind of, you know, tell stories and role play and have their little, like, this is what my character would do to try to break the loop. But you still let them see that it's not going to work until they, Mm. you know, solve whatever the MacGuffin problem is without actually saying, okay, this is our eighth session of this game. But we're still in the very first hour of the world because, yes, I would get so tired. As a time travel lover, I would hate that if I did too long. You're going to have to, you know, figure out the best way to present this to your players so that they are having fun. Because that's the key element here without it getting monotonous. Now, speaking of fun and speaking of uh, not monotony because of chaos and Palm Springs, Palm Springs brings to my mind a concept that should be fantastic for a time travel uh story campaign villain who can also time travel Mm -hmm. just like we kind of get in time uh palm springs you have this adversary who's also like uh, they're always coming for you they're always coming for you like a villain who can try time travel we're talking about purposes maybe your team of adventurers aren't even the ones who initiated we needed time travel but a villain did and now it's like oh gosh we need to go stop him we need to time travel back and stop him or her. I mean, that's what you, that's right. maybe the the incident that sets this whole thing off is there's a villain who's going back to change things for not the better, but for the worst. Well, I think that also, again, live that repeat, edge of tomorrow, uh, all you need is kill. You need the names you want to go yep. with. Uh, they get the power to time travel from the enemy. Like they, they inadvertently steal that power from the bad people and then they use it to their own effect. I do like that. You know, if you're going to come up with like how is time travel possible, make it the villain, and our characters are just caught in like a ripple, or you know maybe there are these agents of chaos that are coming back to change things. And you know, again, classic D and D sort of style. The heroes are just in the right place at the right time, so they stop someone from getting killed that the villain sent back to be murdered, and they now have the ring or the cloak or the book or the rod, whatever the case may be. They're all like, "What's this?" Boom! Now they're all transported and now they're going through time like Bill and Ted. Another classic. Mm -hmm. Um, I think for me, for homework, it would be um, the Prisoner of Azkaban. You have the the Time Turner. Uh, We've got a more fantasy setting. Now, honestly, like it's not my favorite example of use of time travel and it also creates a problem going forward in the movies where you you could very much say, why don't they ever use this again? <laughs> like, yes. but like in in this discussion, what it does accomplish is it accomplishes a time travel device, a time machine that is much more fantasy and magic magical. If you are role playing in a fantasy type game, and so you can kind of look at that as inspiration. You could, of course, go from that and say, okay, well, it doesn't need to be like this hourglass, but it could be a magic portal or like we said earlier, like a spell, but certainly you could look at that and kind of start to get your brain working on like, what is the device or just the way that time travel occurs within the game that I am running that works for the game that I am running. Magicians, a TV show. Oh, yeah. uh, oh yes. Yeah. I absolutely love it. One of the things they did, uh, which I think that there's multiple instances, but one that I really connected with, is two of the characters basically have an entire life together. And then at the end of that life, 
their consciousness is put back in their bodies before they left. So they have the memories of like 80 years together that they share, but no one else even knows that happened. That could be a very powerful yeah. moment. And also kind of lets you get away with some stuff. And, you know, again, you can kind of be loosey-goosey and fun with it. But, you know, you do this, you live an entire life, and now you have all those memories. It's not memories that are going to help you in this case, but the emotional weight of, you know, you got married to this person, you had a relationship with this yeah. person, you had a child, and now you're back before any of that all happened. You know, how does that weigh on you? And I think that show does that very well. It's one of my favorite episodes of any TV ever. Yeah, Lion, Witch, in the Wardrobe. Also, you get that they rule a kingdom, which ties back to, again, the device you get. Like, Neil, you brought Feywild is the obvious. And also very prevalent with what is happening with uh, Wizards of the Coast adventures right now. Like, Feywild, time travel, totally a device you could use for your games. Mm -hmm. I think of Die, a comic book series, where basically they had, like, been transported, like, the people from the real world are transported into this game. They get themselves out and they end up showing back up 20, 30 years later. So now they're adults who have lived adult lives in the real world, forced back into the repercussions of their characters now having not existed in this world 20, 30 years later and trying to figure out what's changed. What can we do to make things better? I say, yeah, I think the Feywild, you mentioned it. It's, that's a very classic trope where you spend an hour in the Feywild and it's a year in the real world and, you can play with that forward, backward, left, right, any way you want to make things interesting. Flight of the Navigator, anybody familiar with that movie? Uh, little boy gets basically kidnapped by a spaceship. He's returned the quote-unquote next day, but unfortunately because of speed of light travel, the next day is like eight years in the future. So now his younger brother, his, his older brother, his parents, you know, he thought he'd been kidnapped. That He's only aged one day, but the world has changed dramatically. And so you can think about that like in an RPG session. Maybe that explains how your characters can do what they can do, like why they've leveled up. They're now in a world full of, you know, commoners, but they have these abilities. They've, they've spent a year training, but they came back to one day from when they left and they're completely different people. I keep throwing out random ideas rather than following what you guys are asking. I'm sorry, but I just, I oh, love no. this topic. I'm just like, I have all these That's ideas. Good. Like, what am I doing for my next game? <laughs> guidelines. <laughs> just guidelines. The other one, like, and it's certainly used for the speed of plot, but like Rick and Morty has so many examples oh, of yeah. time travel, time and space travel of just like what that could potentially look at. I mean, it's certainly a, a well to mine from. Um, I don't know that they necessarily follow any of the rules because it's so so all over the place, but definitely finding right. aspects that work well for you. Because, I mean, my favorite one is um, he gives Morty like a basically a redo button. And then he just, just, to, just to be mean and illustrated, he's like, oh, no, no, no. You basically killed every version that you re- reset to to take their place and try again. Um, and mm-hmm. like figuring out what the repercussions of time travel are, are certainly another aspect. Yeah, there's there obviously there's a plethora of things you can look to out there. And one of the great things about this is we talked about how some movies and some books and uh, that ex- TV shows that explore time travel, they might establish a rule and then completely break it. It may it may come down to for some just terrible, lazy writing. Well, here's the thing. You could, even in those shows and those movies, there's still inspiration and you can watch those and say, you know what? That was a good rule. You may not have followed it, but I can take that and I can use that in in my story and I can try my best because again, this is a very daunting type of campaign to run. I can try my best to tell a better story where the rules are, <laughs> right. are, are, uh, followed better. So wonderful topic. We could obviously talk about it for a long, long time. And actually we have, but we've just come back. To yes. Yeah. Well, that's what I was going to say is like, man, if only we had a time machine so that we didn't have other things that were impeding upon us that we could just go, okay, well, three hour long episode, let's do it. Uh, however, yeah, unfortunately, um, I don't have one yet. So Michael, thank you so much for joining us, uh, to talk about, time travel to join us again on the dungeon masters block we love having you here and it's been way way too long hopefully it won't be that long before we get you on again as a guest because we love talking to you for our listeners uh if they want to check out um everything you're doing whether that's rpg academy whether that's a catacon or especially action 12 cinema uh where can they go to follow you at to get in touch with you to see everything you're working on so pretty much Twitter is where I'm most active. That's at the RPG Academy. Pretty much everything I do, I, I post about there. I tweet about there. You know, obviously, if you listen to the podcast, there's always that plugs, that kind of stuff. Uh, there is a 
newsletter set up for Action 12 Cinema. I don't have it in front of me, but if you go to the website, it's there somewhere so you can like, click on it and you know, you'll be you'll get notified when it does go to Kickstarter. But again, that'll be kind of late next year or mid of next year. And then Neil did it for me. But yeah, Farm to Fable. I kind of forget about that show, but I'm doing a Smallville TV show rewatch. Um, started doing this early in the pandemic. I just rewatched the entire 10 seasons of that show. And I'm like, this is actually kind of cool. I'm really liking this. So I started a, a show. Neil's been on a guest multiple times. Uh, Mitch, I don't know if you are into Smallville at all, but you'd be welcome anytime to be a guest as well. But each episode, I bring on a different guest, like a rotating cast. of So it's not the same two people or same three people over time. We just break down an episode, talk about it as if it's real. Like, what was Lana thinking? Or what do we think Lana's plan is here? And then we also call out all the idiocy, like, how many trucks have the Kents destroyed this week? And how many times has Lana had a concussion? Which is a lot, by the way. Uh, but it's a ton of fun. If you have any interest at all in Smallville, please check it out. It's called Farm to Fable. But the RPG Academy, you can find 99.9% what I do. Fantastic. Fantastic. Thanks again, Michael. And hopefully we'll have you back on sometime soon. Anytime. Anytime. A pleasure. Love you both. You know. We've already had you on several times. Time travel. Exactly. <laughs> we just want to thank Michael again for coming on and spending some time. And if you enjoyed this episode and want to tell us about how you've been adding time travel to your game, you can always email us at dungeonmasterblock at gmail.com. And... If you liked it, you can head over to iTunes or your podcatcher of choice, leave a review, and do all of those wonderful things. Of course, you can find us on Twitter at DMS underscore block. That's at DMS block or on Facebook where you can keep track of all the stuff we're doing. And as always, the Dungeon Masters Block is a proud member of the Block Party Podcast Network. We can check out other shows like Detentions and Dragons, Dungeons and Dragons and Daughters, Diamnastics, and more. And as always, thank you for listening to the Dungeon Master's Block, the place where we come to talk about the Dungeon Master, the most important person in the game, the only person capable of playing God, killing characters, and lowering the egos of everyone else at the table. I'm DM Neil. Good night, good luck, and keep on Dungeon Mastering.